Is that to suggest something? Is that a subliminal Super Bowl thing? Okay, just, just trying to kind of read between the lines there. Yeah, okay, just whatever. I didn't see any songs about patriots, so I... Hello. Good to see you all this morning, and it's great to be together. We are uh, going to be um, starting a series today on um, my cup overflows, and we are going to be taking a look at um, the, the challenge that we have of living this overflow life, right? Um, you know, the great thing about following Jesus is that Jesus not only fills us, but he's yearning for us to fill others, and we fill out of our overflow, not our overflow of things, but the overflow of the Spirit, right, in our lives. So we're going to think about that a little bit over these next few weeks about how we can live this generous life uh, from an overflowing uh, a bucket of our lives. So we hope that uh, you'll journey with us when we, when we do that. And today we're going to take a look at, uh, and all this is toward uh, Sunday, February 25th, which we're going to have a big party, and we're going to be out in the courtyard uh, having a picnic, and we're going to be making our commitments to uh, the ministry of Church of the Palms, and it's just going to be a great, great fun time. And so we hope that you'll take that journey with us all the way to that day of celebration. We're calling it Love, Life, Celebrate. Uh, so today we're going to look at John chapter 4, uh, this interesting conversation that Jesus has with a woman from Samaria. And we're going to hear that in a little different way. We have uh, the Church of the Palms players are going to come forward and share with us a little bit about John chapter 4. Come on up. The scripture passes passage today comes to us from John 4, verses 7 through 26. A Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. His disciples had gone to the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me, a woman of Samaria? Jews do not share things in common with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying it to you, give me a drink. You would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have no bucket, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our ancestor Jacob, who gave us the well, and with his sons and his flocks drank from it? Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but those who drink of the water that I will give them will never be thirsty. The water that I will give will, and be, will become in them a spring of water gushing up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I may never be thirsty or have to keep coming here to draw water. Then Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come back. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You are right in saying I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. Then the woman said to him, Sir, I see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you said the place where people must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. 
You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know. For salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father seeks such as these to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will proclaim, pro pro proclaim all things to us. Jesus said to her, I am he, the one who is speaking to you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Yeah, you can applaud for them. Give them a big Excellent. So let's pray. We thank you for this uh, intriguing story, O oh God, and we pray that you will open our ears and our eyes and our hearts and our minds to wonder about it, perhaps for the first time. We pray that you will help us to discover what is our own calling in life and how we might go about um, this life of overflowing. For we ask it in Christ's name, amen. She had come to the well alone and she had had five husbands. She had come to the well alone and she had had five husbands. And on top of that, she was a foreigner, a Samaritan. She was one of those that you were supposed to sort of steer clear of. If you were to ask her for it, she could produce for you actually a resume for all the reasons why you should not speak to her. The woman from the village who would come to the well, they would usually come and little pack together. They would be together so they could catch up on the local village news, and then they would help each other to draw from the well. But, but she had come to the well alone because perhaps she had had five husbands. She made them feel a little uncomfortable. And it's, it's not that she was loose or immoral. You don't have to be much of a Bible student to know that that wasn't the case. This was a first century, remember, first century Palestinian woman. She had no power to marry, no power to divorce. She had been passed, passed around the men of the village. They had used her and then dispensed with her. She had been abused, quite frankly, a first century Me Too. She'd had a story that everybody wanted to steer clear of, and there she was at the well with her bucket, an abused, lonely foreigner. And the last person she expected to have a kind conversation with was a Jewish rabbi. But before she knows it, she's talking to this rabbi, and they're talking about buckets. And the rabbi wants to know what she's going to do with her bucket because she's, she's got some holes in her bucket. She, she keeps coming to fill it up, but she never seems to have enough water to quench her thirst. Isn't there a better way? And she finally figures out that the rabbi isn't talking about her bucket bucket. The rabbi is talking about her bucket bucket. She's got a leaky bucket. Life has punched enough holes into her, and she can't quite seem to hold on to what she needs to hold on to, and she can't seem to fill up 
And whatever she tries to fill up with, whatever she can get her hands on, just doesn't seem to do the trick. And the rabbi says, you know, I know about some water that when you put it into the bucket, it doesn't leak out the bottom. It's the kind of like that fix-a-flat stuff, you know, that stuff you pour, you, you spray into your tire and it fills it up and it also fixes the leak. Jesus says, I've got this living water and when you put it into your bucket, it not only fills the bucket, but it plugs the leak. It repairs the wound, it mends the tear, it fills the hole. And before you know it, your bucket, Jesus says, isn't going to leak anymore. It will actually begin to overflow. Here, Jesus says, and he holds out a ladle of the crisp, cool water. Take, take a sip, he says. See what you think. A businessman asked me to lunch. First time he's ever asked me to lunch, never asked me to lunch before. When I arrive at the restaurant, I notice his wife is dropping him off at the front door of the restaurant. What's up? I ask your car in the shop. You could have asked me. I could have given you a ride. He said, well, actually, that's why I asked you to lunch. We sit down. We order. He says, I got a DUI a few months ago, and I lost my license. And I think I'm on my way to losing my marriage. And he goes on to tell me about his having one too many, one too many times, and the pressure at work, and not a lot of friends, and I didn't think life was going to go this way, and he, and, he, and he puts onto the table this bucket. And it's got holes in it. And he can't quite seem to keep it filled. He's got this leaky old bucket, and he's trying to fill it with booze and whatever else he can get his hands on, and there just doesn't seem to be enough of it. Too many leaks, and what the heck, he says, what the heck am I going to do now? A recent college graduate comes to my office, and I think she's coming to talk about, you know, the fact that she's graduated from college, and now she's on her way, and, and she's got this calling, perhaps, or maybe a mission, or she wants to talk about all that. But instead, she hands me this bucket, and it's got a big hole in the bottom. And she tells me that when she was a little girl, an uncle abused her many times, many times. And it's put this huge gash in the bottom of her bucket. And now she's cutting herself. And she's sleeping around rather indiscriminately. And she keeps pouring this stuff into her bucket. But the bucket never seems to fill. A high school junior sits across from me at the coffee shop, put there to talk to me under the orders of his parents. That always works out well. <laughs> And his grades are bad, he's quit the soccer team, he's running around with what his parents think is the wrong crowd. He's a good kid, I've known him since before his baptism. But his father's a workaholic and a taskmaster and emotionally unavailable. He gets, his father gets more excited over his latest deal at work than over the boys' all-star selection. And though he's quite reluctant to do so, after about four coffees, he lets me look at his bucket, and it has these cracks in the side. Doesn't take, it didn't take long after I was ordained 
to figure out how each and every human soul is walking around carrying a bucket. In fact, it might be more accurate to say that each and every living soul is a bucket, a vessel of that unique blend of human and Holy Spirit. From the very beginning of our days, we've been walking around with this, with this receptacle of the Spirit, with this, with this container of invisible matter. And it didn't take me long to realize that every single one of our buckets has some holes in it, has some cracks in it. That's just the way life works, right? It puts holes in your bucket, wounds in your spirit. It's unavoidable. It goes with the territory. Life hurts sometimes. Life is unfair. And for some, maybe the cracks are tiny. Others, maybe the holes are gaping. But for, for some, the wounds are self-inflicted. And for others, the wounds have been inflicted upon them. But suffice it to say, leaks abound. And we are all trying to figure out how we're going to keep water in the bucket. So Jesus tells the Samaritan woman about this living water. And, and for a while, she doesn't really quite get it, right? She looks around for some other well, some other bucket, some other ladle. What's he talking about? But then it dawns on her. This living water of which the rabbi speaks is, in fact, the rabbi speaking to her. The rabbi is speaking to her. The village treats her like a pariah. The men are passing her around. But here's this Jewish rabbi who thinks enough of her to see her, to see her for what she is, this beautiful living soul. And what is happening is that the rabbi is now taking the time to talk to her. And as he's doing that, he's little by little pouring this grace into her soul, this unconditional love into her soul to shower upon her his mercy. And just like that, fix a flat kind of stuff, the whole are starting to fill up and the cracks are starting to seal and before you know it the, the bucket is starting to hold water that's what grace does that's what unconditional love does that's what divine mercy does. When we allow ourselves to get within earshot of the Savior, his word to us is that there is nothing we have to do to make ourselves acceptable to a conversation with him. Nothing we have to do. There's nothing we have to do to gain the pleasure and pride of God. There's nothing we have to do to earn our place in the presence of Jesus. When the Savior comes and sits next to us, his only hope is to fill us with this loving, gracious, living water that fills the vessel of our souls with his spirit, and the spirit rushes to all the cracks and to all the holes over time. And the more we let that grace in, the more the cracks begin to fill up, and the more the holes begin to fill up, and before we know it, the more we begin to fill up. You see, you can't talk about the overflow life until you have taken the time to wonder about 
whether or not you are in touch with the healing and loving spirit of Jesus. But until we receive the gracious healing and loving spirit of Jesus, we're always going to be focused on filling our buckets with that stuff that never seems to quench our thirst. And when I say stuff, I mean stuff. You know, the latest and greatest thing, the latest and greatest buzz, the latest and greatest high stuff that like Chinese food that when you eat it, you're hungry in 15 minutes. And it's because the holes are still there. But when you finally come to realize that the greatest love of all, the source of all love, is a love that is directed right at you, a love that you do not have to perform for or earn, a love that loves you just where you are, wounds and all, holes and all, and then all of a sudden that love begins to kind of pour into the gaps, and all of a sudden you begin to fill. And you fill and you fill and you fill till you get to a point where your cup starts to run over. For a long time, I followed the work of a ministry called Covenant House that began in New York City a long time ago. And Covenant House is a ministry to runaway teenagers that's made its way to different parts of the country. And the Philadelphia chapter of Covenant House for a long time was served by a Greek Orthodox priest named Father Steve Sinian, all black robe and the whole thing who made it his mission, black robe, big gold cross, to walk the streets of North Philadelphia and to befriend lost teenagers, kids who were using, kids who were prostituting themselves, kids who were homeless, kids with these huge holes in their buckets. In one of the newsletters that the ministry sends out, they published a letter from one of these teenagers, a young woman who had gotten pregnant very early and she was on the streets, and she was using, and she was prostituting herself. And little by little, this Greek Orthodox priest just befriends her. And she writes him this letter, and she says this. Dear Father Steve, I just wanted to write you because there's some things I really want to say to you. First, thank you. I truly believe God puts people in our lives for a reason, and I believe you were put in mine to save me. And I thank you for your strength and faith to carry out God's will. You never looked down on me or made me feel like I was just a worthless waste of flesh. That's how I felt. Instead, you showed me you cared and you believed that I was worth something. The person I was out there, the person who I was out there was not really me. I even felt like a failure because I couldn't kill myself the right way. I began to think that even God didn't want my life. Well, now I know I was right about God not wanting my life because he wanted me to have it. I'm grateful today, she continues, just to sleep in a bed and wake with a roof over my head. I don't want material things. I just want me. The best thing of all is my son learned today to tie his shoes, and he couldn't wait to tell me. And better yet, 
he can double knot. <laughs> that to me is a gift all by itself. So I just wanted to say thank you for teaching me to have a little faith in myself. I'll tell you this is one gift from God that I won't be returning. Love, D. I don't want material things. I just want me. You know, when we get called to this communion table, which we will in a minute, I think we get called back to ourselves. And when we finally find ourselves, we realize we don't want the stuff anymore. We just want us. It's what we want most. We want ourselves. Not ourselves as defined by somebody else, not ourselves as defined by our past story, but ourselves as defined by the one who made us, the one who, whose word to us is always grace, always grace. He pours his love into us just like he, we will pour that juice into that chalice. And he says, this is who you are. You are a vessel of grace. You are a vessel of grace, a vessel of unconditional love. You are a vessel of living water. Your cup can run over. And when your cup runs over, guess what? When your cup runs over, it means that somebody else gets quenched. Let's pray. Join us, O oh Lord, at this table that we may know that you are our Father in heaven and that you love us and you will never stop loving us and your grace is meant to be poured into our souls. Join us at this table in Jesus' name. Amen.